Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ned Bellavance, Ned1313 on Twitter, and welcome to the Daily Check-In for May 28th, 2021. It is Friday, and it's a holiday weekend, so you're not going to hear from me again until Tuesday. That's right, I'm taking Memorial Day off, and you should too. I hope you're not working this weekend. I hope you have some time to relax, decompress. I was talking to a good buddy of mine, and we both agreed this weekend should be about a little bit of decompression. And in fact, if you can take some more time than just the weekend and Memorial Day off, more power to you. Let's let's check in. How you doing? What's going on? You make it through the week unscarred, unscathed, doing all right? I hope you are. I hope you are going to have some relaxation time this weekend. And whatever form that takes is good, whether that's binging some shows on Netflix, reading a book, going out for a walk or competing in a triathlon, whatever it is that makes you feel better, that helps you decompress and unstress, that's the thing you should do. Don't let anybody tell you differently. You should do what makes the most sense for you. And that's something that I've come to accept as well. Sometimes I'm jealous of what other people enjoy doing to decompress, but I have to acknowledge that's not the thing that makes me decompress. So I should go with what works for me, not what works for somebody else. (laughs) Anyway, the thing that I wanted to talk about today is a new article that was published on A16Z. And the name of the article is The Cost of Cloud, A Trillion Dollar Paradox. And people, you know, when you throw around the trillion dollar mark, that's pretty significant. And I'm not sure that they entirely justified the trillion dollar paradox, but they definitely got into the billions. So what what are they essentially here? If I could boil this down to a single core premise, it is this. If you build your company in the cloud, you're going to reach a tipping point where theoretically it is less expensive to operate it yourself than it is to keep it in the cloud. And their key example of this is the one that everybody always gives, which is Dropbox. For, for those who don't know, when Dropbox started up, they were essentially a front end on S3, as far as I understand. They were using object-based storage and putting a nice front end on it and the syncing mechanism and all that kind of stuff. That's how Dropbox got started. And as they grew, they continued to utilize Amazon AWS as their platform of choice. And at a certain point, they realized that they were giving AWS a lot of money to do stuff that they might be able to do themselves. And so they decided to build out their own data centers or rent space in co-location facilities, build out their own infrastructure, manage their own own infrastructure. And as a direct result, they ended up saving a lot of money in costs. And that's basically the storyline that they're looking at within the context of this article. Now, it really did work out well for Dropbox. According to the article and the S1 filing from Dropbox, there was a cumulative savings of $75 million in the two years after they made this infrastructure overhaul. That's, I mean, it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. That's awesome that they were able to do it and they were able to save the money. Now, the idea here is they extend that out to other companies the top 50 companies in software. And they make a lot of the same assumptions that the cost of operating in cloud is going to be much higher than running on-prem. And some of the estimates vary greatly, but they were saying, 
you know, somewhere between 30 to 40 percent potential savings. It's going to be cheaper for you to run on prem. And they're using some back of the envelope map math to talk about that. So what they're trying to say is here, AWS runs at 30% margins. That means whatever you pay AWS, you know, a dollar a gig or something, AWS keeps 30 cents of that in profit, essentially. So AWS has pretty wide margins in comparison to some other industries. That's impressive. Now, what that means is that there is room for them to shrink down that margin and still make a healthy amount of revenue and net income. So that's kind of what the, the constraints in which we're working here. Now, the other thing is that they were trying to estimate what the true cost of cloud is and how much you would recoup if you were able to move your uh, your most of your operations to on-prem and the back of the envelope basically said of the top 50 companies, publicly traded software companies, they estimate a total potential savings of $4 billion in recovered profit. Okay, that is a very significant number, but there are a lot of assumptions being made here and a few things that they mentioned that I knew and I felt was obvious, but perhaps if you're not as seasoned in the public cloud and what goes on, you might not be aware of these things. The one thing, and this is something that I think most people have come to terms with, is cost is not a reason to move to the public cloud. I mean, it is when you're first starting out. The fact that there is zero upfront costs, essentially, to build out a service or a feature in the public cloud versus having to purchase hardware to run it somewhere else, that's a pretty significant initial cost savings. But over the long term, you're not going to save money by running in the cloud. You're, you're just not. That's something that's been proved over and over. The other thing I want to say is they keep talking about the cloud, but what they're really talking about is public cloud. And what they're really, really talking about is the three major public cloud providers. That's not cloud. Those are the three major public cloud providers. Cloud is an operational model that can run anywhere. You could say, and if you look at Dropbox's model, you could probably say that Dropbox is running a private cloud because I'm assuming they are using cloud operational procedures and theories to run their current deployments. So it's not that cloud is the problem. The problem is these big public cloud providers. The other thing that I'll bring up is while AWS runs at a 30% margin, and I don't know exactly what Azure does, but I'm sure that they run somewhere around those lines as well. There are a number of alternative clouds. There's a whole cottage industry of alternative clouds that are significantly cheaper than the major public clouds. While they don't have the same level of platform support, meaning they don't offer all these different things as a service that you could get in one of the big three. They certainly have infrastructure as a service down, and many of them are now offering Kubernetes as a service. So you do have those two options if you wanted to build something, and they are significantly cheaper. I'm thinking of companies like DigitalOcean, Linode, and then there's other vendors like Vulture that are offering bare metal uh, features. So. I would call those cloud. Those are still cloud. They're still following the cloud principles, architecture, and operational model. They're just not one of the big three. The other thing I'll say is that the 
30% margin that AWS is making is probably not sustainable in the long term as companies become more savvy, but there is certainly a tipping point here. And how many companies are actually going to hit that tipping point? As they were showing the graph of what becomes the tipping point, you really do have to grow beyond a certain size to make it economical to run your own infrastructure. And if most companies never outstrip that size, then you're really just talking about the biggest, the top 50 or top 100 software companies that are going to be able to ex uh, expatriate themselves out of the public cloud into their own private cloud or some sort of colo cloud operation, or even take advantage of some of the alternative cloud providers. So I, I get what they're saying here. The other thing that I want to mention is that I think there's a few trends that we're going to see that will lead to just as much cloud consumption as before, but in a different way. I think we're going to see an expansion of colo providers. You have the digital realties and the equinixes of the world that have been expanding like crazy and really focusing on the co-location and edge co-location aspects of their business and building a robust network that interconnects everything. That's where they're focused. And if you drop your stuff, drop your gear into one of those colo providers, then you can, I won't say easily, but you can build up a private cloud relatively quickly. I think we're gonna see a lot of growth for the alternative clouds. DigitalOcean, I think, just had their IPO that went fairly well. I assume that many of the other alternative clouds are going to also see similar growth over the next few years. I think we'll also see a movement to more portability in new applications as they're written, as awareness grows that the ability to move your application to a different platform is something you're probably going to need to do in the next five to 10 years if you are a wildly successful company. Building applications with portability in mind is going to become the de facto standard, and that probably means right now using containers and Kubernetes, but that could morph into something else in the future. The other thing that they didn't really bring up till towards the end was many of these applications that were built in the cloud are not that efficient at using the cloud. There are many ways you can re-architect those applications to make them more efficient. And there were a few companies that took that tack and immediately saved money on their cloud bill by incentivizing the architects and engineers to take a look at the existing applications and make them more efficient. That means that that it's just going to be less consumption in the public clouds by these really big software companies. So I guess to sum it all up, the article was interesting in the fact that it's going to reach a wider audience than a lot of the stuff that I write and read. That being said, it took a lot of liberties with the math. And I think using Dropbox as your one example is kind of tired. Yes, Dropbox was very successful, but if you're not gonna show me two or three others that were equally successful in this and with the hard numbers to prove it, I don't know if that makes Dropbox the, the black swan in this or, or what, but you, you gotta come to me with more than just Dropbox. And the last thing is the arguments they made are really only applicable to software companies that are running something like SaaS in the cloud. They are much less applicable to regular companies where the main driver of their revenue is not software. So if that's the case, then it's harder to make the same arguments. So while software is eating the world, quote unquote, it's, it's not always, and not all companies are software companies. 
So I, I had a very strong reaction to the article as I read it, and I think I've gone on for a little bit longer than I necessarily meant to, but it really, it it jumped out at me, and it while it's a worthwhile read, I think those of us who are in the cloud industry would read it with a slightly more critical eye and see some of the liberties that were taken when it comes to the math and the logic of the article. Uh, I would love to talk to the authors and maybe even do a day two cloud episode with them if they're willing to have, I won't say combative, but like a little discussion over what was in the article and, and maybe expand on some of the main points that they made. So I'm going to reach out to the authors and see if they're interested in doing that, though I have a feeling they might be too big of a fish for my little pond. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for me for today and for the week. Thank you so much for listening. You know, I really do appreciate it. If you don't mind sharing this with a person, that would be awesome. I do tweet out the episodes as they come out. All you have to do is click on that retweet, and I really appreciate it. Steve Buchanan, I see you out there. I see you retweeting, and I appreciate that, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway, until next time. Stay healthy, stay safe out there. Bye for now.